Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today joined by Dave Prentice and Gav Buckland as we look back, amongst other things, at Tuesday's general meeting. As ever, it was lively, plenty of talking point debate. Interesting information about the new stadium uh, and Farhad Mashiri once again taking centre stage with his uh, comments about a variety of issues, including past transfer failings uh, and his uh, current assessment of the season. We'll also reflect on Michael Silver. He has just given uh, his press conference uh, ahead of the Sunday game with Bournemouth uh, this afternoon. Um, discussions about Vlasic and obviously Marco responding to what Farhad said. Um, Preno, you were sat alongside me at the uh, Philharmonic on Tuesday. Um, what was your sort of general feel of, of, of a GM? You know, you know, did you hear what you wanted to hear? I suppose, or I think so. Yeah, I mean, the, the, what the, there was an awful lot of detail in Denise Barrett Baxendale's you know opening. I think it was forty-two minutes address about what the club had done in the last uh, year or so, which obviously is the purpose of a general meeting. I think uh, once she'd finished her bit, I think Bill Kenwright said that concludes the formal business of the evening. Even though there was an awful lot more still to come, uh, but after that. I thought there was an all an awful lot of talk, aspiration, or aspirational talk, I suppose, uh, and not a great deal of detail after that, apart from Farhad on you know the funding for the stadium, which was quite interesting. Um, but it, it was it was relatively reassuring to hear about the the ambitious plans that Farhad Mashiri has. I mean, he spoke at the last you know general meeting about wanting to turn Everton from a museum piece into something competitive. And that clearly still remains uh, a driving force. Um, he talked on the night about Everton, you know, aspiring to challenge for Premier League titles. And, you know, whilst some supporters, you know, some may mock that because the last 25 years or 30 years, Everton have singularly failed to do that. But just looking back, when Everton last won the league in 1987, you know, which clearly myself and Gavin remember quite clearly, it was only Liverpool who'd won more. Arsenal and Manchester United were behind mm-hmm. Everton in the number of title wins, you know, so at that stage. So it underlines, you know, so how lacking in competitiveness Everton have been during the Premier League era, but also why that should be an aspiration for a club like Everton. So it was quite good to hear Farhad Mashiri say that. And he almost I wouldn't say sounded like John Moore's, but there was almost an element of John Moore's ruthlessness about him when he talked about uh, this season hasn't been good enough. And you know, Obviously, the manager, Marco Silva, was in the room and he's played it down today at the press conference saying, look, we speak to him every week, you know, so we know what he wants. But he made it quite clear that, you know, he's a very, very ambitious owner of this football club and he does want to see Everton at least trying and striving to achieve the heights that the club used to have not that long ago. Gavin's smiling there, so go on. No, no, I was just thinking about John Moores. I, I thought yeah. that exactly when yeah. uh, when John Moores hired Harry Catrick in 1961 and he, he sacked Johnny Carey, he'd finished yeah. fourth. 
And somebody asked him in the press conference that day, you know, you've sacked Johnny Carey, he's just finished fourth. And what happens if Harry finishes fourth? Then he said, well, he gets sacked as well. <laughs> and, and that's the type of ruthlessness you want from yeah. your chairman. But, but is it on that yeah. point though, Gav, is it now not time from, for a variety of reasons, namely 14.4 million pounds worth of, um, 14.4 million pounds were spent on sacking managers. Is is that not one of the several reasons why now Fahad actually, although is he is ruthless and demanding, yeah. actually he's going to give Marco Silva the oh, time. Absolutely, needs. absolutely. And you know, he said, you know, it was inferred that they've learned from the mistakes in the past. I think a few people there said they did, did, and I would imagine one of those mistakes is get your managerial appointment right and and, and give the person time. We don't want another like 10 million pounds spent. Uh, you know, um, getting rid of them, and and I think I think that that is is one of the lessons they've learned. It was just that sort of public, you know, I wouldn't say chastising, but public comment on the season so far. The season, you know, so far, which which I thought was was good. And and I thought there was the other thing for me, which is more not necessarily a football thing, which I I really appreciated as a fan, and I'm not a shareholder is. All the board members were there, didn't they? And all that to say their say their piece. Yeah. You know, there was great visibility there, which has not necessarily been the case at previous AGMs or even in the way we've done our business. And I think that public, you know, it's a spotlight shining on you now. Show what you've done and what your aspirations are, and do it to the shareholders. I I, I really appreciated that as a fan, and it shows you. Where, he shows you where the vision and accountability of the club is now now yeah. improving and, and, and sort of is is trying to support our ambition and, and that was the most impressive thing for me. They're very important those nights because, you know, Keith Harris doesn't speak publicly very often. Sasha Ryzansev, if, if I pronounce that right, uh, you know, doesn't speak publicly very often. So, you know, shareholders and, and fans, you know, sort of need to hear from these people. I wouldn't say regularly, but, you know, so more often than we are at the moment. And so a night like that is important, I think, as you just say, for visibility uh, and accountability. Absolutely. You know, the one thing I d- disagreed with that was said Go on. is when Denise said uh, we're now approaching or in the midst of one mm. of the most important parts of our history. I would yeah. disagree. I say we're now entering the most important part of our history. Because yeah. well, what's going to go on over the next five or ten years... Yeah. And what they were talking about on Tuesday night will dictate what Evan will be, not only for the rest of my lifetime, but for several generations thereafter yeah. in an ever-changing world. I mean, the world of football will be completely different in 20 years' time what it is now. Sure. And we've got to be part of that changing world. And I think everything that we're trying to do at the moment is is pointing to us wanting to be part of that. And and, and as such, I think it's the most important part of our history. But, you know, even going back to our early days so because the game of football will change so much and, and it's, it's obviously yeah. the whole that, that mood and that ambition permeates the entire club because the piece that uh, we did about Nikola Vlasic yesterday and telling why he thinks that he's going to be sold the first time an offer comes on the table is because Everton are now buying players from Barcelona they're going to be uh, spend big again next summer because they want to be the next Tottenham Hotspur. Mm. They want to be part of, you know, sort of the yeah. top four leagues. That's players talking like that now as well. So clearly, every element of that football club is intent on getting Everton back up to where they used to be. So, yeah, which yeah. Uh, did, nothing did, wrong with aspiration. And did, did Morales say something if something similar that the club was different once he went on loan? And as most recently known to when he joined, yeah, the squad's it, better. It, probably. Yeah, yeah, they're a bit, a bit more. <laughs> There's no bit, room for him. Yeah, it's yeah. now it's now a business or something. I think he said. Ah, he so did. He did yeah, yeah. He? Which, which is which is what you want to hear, and you cannot underestimate the importance of the next ten years in terms of the 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 future of the entire football club. 
Preno, any, any issue with, with Farhad being as, as honest as he was about the current league position and referring to the appointment of Michael Silver as a big bet, given that he was in the room and for some people it might have been a little bit uncomfortable? It, well, it is. I mean, uh, I've been at so many of these general meetings and sometimes chairman do speak, or chairman and, you know, majority shareholders do speak a little bit more openly than they ought to. I remember Peter Johnson getting himself into all kinds of trouble uh, with players, you know, talking and telling the shareholders why he hadn't given Howard Candle funds to spend on players. So he says, what do you want me to do? Give him more money to waste on players like John Spencer. And uh, <laughs> John Spencer pulled me at the very next game, said, I've got to, got to reply to that. I can't let the chairman salvage my reputation like that. You know, so they can get themselves into trouble by talking far too openly. And... Um, he wasn't wrong, though, to be fair. <laughs> John Spencer. <laughs> and, and, you know, Farhad, he, he never went as far as that, you know, so what, what he said wasn't, didn't cross any lines or anything. I, I, just, I think it was quite a firm prod to the manager, saying, look, this is what we expect of you. And, OK, they may be saying it privately to the manager, you know, which is why he says he doesn't feel any extra pressure. But it doesn't do any harm, you know, so to say, you know, publicly in front of shareholders, you know, so, and, you know people that support the football club. Yeah, and by extension, the players as well. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so it's the messages there to, you know, I think the message may also be there to Marcel in mm. some respects. Everybody associates with the football side of well, the club. Well, so. uh, Bill Kenwright did say that before the meeting, they'd had a meeting with the four of them and, and Farhad had challenged both Marco and Marcel on a few issues. So yeah. you would imagine what he said there probably wasn't too dissimilar to what he'd, he'd said in public, which shouldn't be. Shouldn't be criticised, should it? You know, he's not hiding anything. No, absolutely. Um, one thing that uh, Farhad Mishi was also very open uh, on, and perhaps not when a little bit off script, perhaps was uh, saying that Everton expect to get three hundred and fifty million pounds for the building of their new stadium from the private market. Um, there's a commitment of equity, which I think is code for he would put in a hundred million pounds uh, and naming rights on top of this, which would, on th- you know, in theory and on the surface at least, appear that the uh, council that. So the offer that Liverpool City Council had put on the table just 12 months ago to fund probably two-thirds of the deal looks like it's not going to be taken up. Are you, are you, do you think that's a, a mistake? Are you, are you, do you think the news is regressible, Gav? Or do you think that actually the, the decision will have been done because Everton will be getting the best deal from the private market? Well, if it's the best deal from the private market, then I fully support that. You know, But I think at the same time, it'd be good to keep all our options open at the moment, Tom. On this issue, I mean, Keith Harris said, didn't he? Is that there's a lot of enormous risk around this investment? Dare I say, Brexit, and he starts to talk about currency exchange, yeah. which is not necessarily something that was mentioned in previous meetings you've been to, Prano, back mm-hmm. in the day. Like, but you know, there's lots, still lots of risk around the funding of this. So, I think that, that, that it's a big decision to take, and we need to keep all our options open. Mm. So, uh, but it's about getting the best deal, and if the best deal means not going. But, the council offer, then I'm fully supportive of that. Pero Farhad also said in, in regards to the stadium that he would throw as much money at it as it was needed. He said, this is not a luxury, it's a necessity. 100%, yeah, which is absolutely correct. It's, I mean, while we're talking about, uh, you know, so previous general meetings, I remember... Uh, was Michael Dunford ever chief executive? He was, yeah. wasn't he, in the early 2000s? Michael yeah. Dunford saying to me, oh gosh, way back in the uh, the early 90s, these next three years are the most important years in Everson's history because, you know, so if we don't uh, catch up with the, uh, the Premier League elite, we'll be left behind. And he, he was quite, you know, uh, showing an awful lot of foresight because Everson were left behind. 
Um, fast forward, you know, sort of another 20 or 25 years and similar position. Everton trying desperately to play catch up. Um, but they now have an owner. He's been a game changer for Had Mashiri. And, you know, I know Bill Kenray took an awful lot of flack and an awful lot of stick over not selling the football club and that, that, I mean, in the past. And that was because he didn't want to sell it until he felt that the person was right and the person was absolutely nailed on to be good for Everton Football Club. Nothing to do with him remaining in situ as chairman. You know, that was because Mashiri wanted him as chairman, not because he wanted to remain. Um, but he found the, the man that he felt you know, was right for the football club and so far he's been proved absolutely right. I mean, everything Mashiri says underlines his commitments. Everything he's done underlines his commitments. Uh, he's an owner that, you know is in it for the long call and he's got very, very deep pockets, mm. which is absolutely vital. He's also talking about, uh, you know, the transfer strategy changing to adhere to financial fair play. Obviously, there's been issues with, you know, the Youth Academy um, and their transfer dealings. Emerson were quite clear on the night they don't want to, you know, find themselves in trouble in that situation again. Uh, so, you know, everything you know appears positive and appears good and it's being led by Farhad Mashiri. Yeah, sometimes he says things a little bit, you know, sort of off the wall. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a very, very rich man who works in different uh, walks in different circles to the rest of us. And, and then you know, flies so, to Rome every now and again for a coffee. <laughs> yeah, flies to Rome for that little coffee shop outside the Senate. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, occasionally a little eccentric. Uh, but, you know, everything he says does reassure me. Um, Gav, I think you, you mentioned it uh, uh, earlier in the in the podcast. There was a, uh, an admission from Farhad as well that the in the in the previous certainly previous season and perhaps the season before there had been some lessons learnt, mistakes made, and some poor judgment um, uh, meted out, um, which I'm sure he included himself in in that, and not yeah. just director of football and managers of past. Um, and he went on to say how the club have struggled, amongst other things, in this pursuit of a like-for-like like replacement for Romelu Lukaku. They sold him for £75 million, but yeah. he said he was on relatively low wages of about 70 k a week. He said if we'd have tried to find a like-for-like like replacement, we would have had to have paid £120 million in transfer fees and paid him eighty grand a week. Does that put to bed this idea that we should be going in search of a like-for-like like replacement? Is that an argument and a... Uh, a pursuit that, that's dead now and, and no fan should actually ever think that it's possible. It's it's actually, you know, pie in the sky stuff. The reality is we have to go and find players who are cost, you know, number of players who cost less and are on less wages to fill that well, wide Well, that's board. what they said, didn't he? About bringing players, I can't remember, but under 23 on low wages and then... Young players. On, young, yeah. yeah, you know. Yeah, because what well, well, there's a couple of things going on there, isn't it? A, it's finding the player in the first place. B, would they want to come to Everton if they, they're worth 120 million quid? Um, and and when you see, you know, the, the FFP stuff, and I know it's a bit diluted and things, is it the last set of accounts, the wages was actually quite high. I know it's a transition year. And yeah, stuff, percentage of turnover was at 70 you like to say transition these days? <laughs> but in financial terms, they had a lot of players on the books, didn't they, in, 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 that, in the, the, the year just reported on. So one of the things is we'll be keeping the, the wages low, you know, well, lower, cutting yes. the wage bill so we can maintain uh, financial viability. And uh, I think I think for that reason, as much as the playing size, I think it will be an ongoing, mm. the, the, finan- the financial aspect of it. Yeah. So, Brent, do you, do you agree then, that, uh, as we've said, that the idea that the club should be finding a replacement for Lukaku is just, just folly? Um, it, it depends what you mean a replacement they do need to find a replacement for him <coughs> but you know not you know a £75 million signing or an £80 million signing they need to find you know 
a centre forward who wants to, you know, sort of spend the majority of his time in the penalty area, not outside it. He was, uh, you know, sort of a proven goal scorer. Now, that's you know easier said than done. You know, like needle in a haystack. You know, so certainly it's, it's a modest transfer fee, and it's why they probably won't be doing it in January. It's why it's likely to be next summer. Far had said transfer fees. He, he sort of accepted that we would have to pay the going rate in transfer fees, but he said it's the wages of yeah. young players that yeah, would absolutely. have to be kept down. Not you know rather than paying a low fee and, and paying high wages. Which, again, it, it's a difficult one, one to achieve that, because uh, it needs to be a, a player that doesn't have necessarily a big reputation yet, you know, a player who's still promising, still, you know, so has you know, potential. And that, that's why Marcel Brands is so important. You know, he's completely shaken up the scouting structure at Everton. And, you know, his track record at Alkmaar was very, very good, uh, you know, so unearthing young players who then developed into, you know, significant, you know, players in the, in the European scene. And I think that's one of the reasons that he was taken on board at Everton because they expect him to do exactly the same. The first flurry of activity in the summer just gone has been impressive. I don't think any of us can complain with the quality of players that have been brought in. Mm. And I think we'll be looking to see the same again in the summer. Well, a striker is important. We need a striker desperately. And we'll come back to, to that point. Yeah. Um, Gav, um, a football expert, as Farhad referred to him on Tuesday. I thought you were going to say I was a football expert. No, there. I think no. that's a bit doubtful. Uh, yeah. Marcel has been yeah. uh, promoted to join the board of directors. Are you shrugging your shoulders at that decision or are you going, no, that's actually a really significant move by the football club? I, I think it's a really significant move by the football club, just to repeat your statement, mm. uh, for a number of reasons. Makes you wonder with other clubs maybe looking around for directors of football who are maybe a bit more it was it was, it was the unspoken thing of the ad, night yeah. advantage yeah. than us be part of it but you also need somebody with football expertise on the board um, it goes back to that very, there was very very small print statements when we changed you know changed things around in the summer from I think Steve Watts got a line in yeah. the official statement yeah, yeah. Uh, that said that Keith Harris will be the board member responsible for first team you know, reporting or whatever you would call it. They've, they've obviously realised that Keith's probably got his hands full with uh, Bramley Moore mm. and therefore it makes it also makes sense to have Marcel on the board. So I fully support that, that we are a football club. Our main job is to win football games, so you need somebody on the board who's responsible for that area. That's the good point. The, 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 the other side of the coin to me, which is not unsurmountable, is that Marcel's skill is what we brought him for? Is that the type of stuff that Peno was, was talking about there? That that ability to to get into the devil in the detail and see gaps in the market and all that type of stuff, you know, your own knowledge and contacts and all that. And the question I would ask is, will will that disappear to a little bit in terms of how much he can contribute in that area if he's moving towards this broader br- brush? responsibility within the club and does it change though is he not just he he is in he is the man the bot the director on the board who's responsible for delivering the football strategy as they would call it he's yeah he is but he was brought in to do one job which he's obviously very capable of doing but now he's got a wider wider remit within the club hasn't he so it begs the question will he still be able to spend all the time on the job that he was brought in I'm, for. Sure, I'm sure he will. I, th- I think the yeah. significance yeah. of him being added to the board is to give a football voice in the boardroom. Because in the past, it's a bit of a closed shop, the boardroom. You know, so it's directors that have no idea what's going on on the training pitch, no idea what's going on. They'd watch the games, uh, but you know, and what what is required, you know, so on the football side of things, Marcel Brands, you know, will have that voice in the boardroom. 
and you know can actually give a little bit more perspective. You know, so when they're trying to convince Farhad Mashiri they need to spend you know fifty million quid on a particular player, you know, so th- this is why you know, this is the case. And do you think also as well, Farhad, you know, who who who, who mentioned there lessons learned, mistakes made, poor judgment, and and we said in, earlier on that he would probably include himself in that. Do you think maybe he's also thought, you know what? Maybe I have sanctioned or maybe I've suggested players or been caught up a little bit early on in, in his tenureship and actually they need to rein it in and have somebody who knows is their profession and their expertise on signing and selling football yeah, players. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not saying that that will happen. I'm just saying that that's a comment I would make is that hopefully he's not going to spread himself too thinly and he's still contributing all the stuff that he's brought in mm. to do in the first place, which he's obviously done successfully thus far. Um, but his role has not just been on the board now. It, 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 it was quite clear he's got a wider remit, hasn't he? Being responsible, I can't remember the words, the entire football strategy yes. of the club and there was the talk, you know, the talk about, you know, the academy five-year plan and yes, stuff. Yes, yeah. Um, which could be, well have been... What he was brought in to do in the first place is just rubber stamped it. Isn't you know, that the yeah, role I mean, of a director of football? I would anyway. say it is, yeah. And yeah. Is that, was that not one of the big criticisms of Steve Walsh that he was not all encompassing and was solely focused yeah. on the first thing? So it may be that that's what he was brought in to do and they just broadcast a little bit, you know, further. Um, but what, what I what I wouldn't want, though, is any role that Marcel has diluting the skills that he, that he obviously has mm. and they are obviously quite expansive and and um and this huge huge experience and contacts is, is diluting the way he can contribute towards the club mm. with, with with the skills and experience he's got. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Uh, so it is Marcel Brands effectively steering the ship uh, through January and setting largely setting the tone for what could well be a very quiet but let's see uh, window preno but a name that got thrust out into the uh, Twitter sphere and what have you yesterday evening was uh, Mishi Batshuayi uh, of Chelsea uh, but you had a slightly different understanding of Everton's uh, reported interest yeah I mean it's, it's funny actually because as soon as I heard the name Batshuayi my, my abiding memories of that World Cup incident really managed to kick the ball into his own face <laughs> and, uh, which worried me a little no I mean we, we, I saw the stories uh, that you know so were, were speculated upon in a number of sites 14 million pounds was talking about as a fee and despite what a number of people out there think you know so we don't just you know sort of make up our response we do speak to senior people at the football club uh, to find out you know if there's uh, any any grains of truth in it uh, the reaction I got was crazy uh, was the word that was used and uh, I didn't use that in the piece because uh, it was then explained yeah. that um, the the likelihood of uh, I coming in would only be if Cheng Tosin or Umar Nias depart the football club, leaving Everton, you know, so thin on the ground in numbers in, in the striking area of the pitch. Um, that was reinforced by Marco Silva, you know, so at today's press conference where he effectively said the same. So I think it's watch this space, you know, if Nias or Tosin move on and Everton do need a body, uh, there was no suggestion that Batshuayi is the man that they've targeted, but, you know, that, that could be the man that they have in mind. But certainly, you know, if nobody wants Tosin or Nias, I don't think we'll see any movement whatsoever. Gav, if if that opportunity did come up and, and Tosin and Ornias did leave the football club this month, um, would you be in favour of, of Batshuayi? Uh, you know, albeit, you know, it's our understanding that perhaps really isn't any particularly concrete interest in the player at this stage. Um, on loan, possibly. Well, no, couldn't do a loan because we've got Zuma yeah. on loan. Oh, right, yeah. 
Oh, Statarulis, yeah. Mm. Yeah, you can't, you can't loan uh, two, more than one player from the same club. Ah, right. You know so what? Learn something new every day. So <laughs> we would have to buy him. Or no. buy Kurtzuma. <laughs> yeah, or buy Kurtzuma. Well, I'll take, I know. I'll take the, 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 under, yeah, the yeah. unwritten side of the story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did, you know what? I didn't know that. I, uh, I didn't realise that. But, what, but, the, yeah, but yeah. I'm asking okay. about the player generally. No, no, no. No. Okay. No, I think there's better, better players out there, and I don't, I don't see. I, I would, I think it would point to it like a sort of panic, a panic buying. But I think. Well, he's had a nightmare time in yeah. Spain. I think one La Liga goal. He did yeah. really well at Dortmund, he's, though, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. My, my you're right. Yeah, it's a terrible time. Re- in Spain. Reading between the lines, I think he can be. You know, you need to take likes a lot of comfort and attention off the pitch as well, doesn't he? So I think, uh, um, no, not for me. I think there's better players out there, which I think we'd be looking at in in the summer, which mm. was again intimated on. On Tuesday, wasn't it? Um, so no, no, not for me. Nikola Vlasic Preno uh, gave mm. a really um, forthright and honest interview. Great interview, wasn't it? Yeah, well, looked, uh, the, football was actually you know speak frankly <laughs> uh, about Everton, about playing under Allardyce, but obviously, really interestingly, that his expectation is that Everton will sell him yeah. uh, in the summer. Uh, what, what was Marco Silva's sort of reaction to that today? Um, he seemed a little bit affronted that uh, Vlasic, you know, appeared to have taken this decision because <laughs> he, he said that. Um, so when I spoke to Nicola in the summer, you know, he gave me his views, I gave him my views, and we both decided that it was a, a you know the, the right thing for him to go on loan to CSKA Moscow, where he's had a very very good season. Mm. Um, but he certainly didn't close the door on him. I mean, Vlasic underlined, you know, why. Um, why he felt he was going to be moved on in the summer because Everton is such an ambitious football club now because they've bought three players from Barcelona because they're shopping in different markets now. You know, So how is a young footballer like me going to force his way into a squad like that? Uh, but as Marco Silva said, they sent him to Moscow to prove that he's capable of returning to Everton, first-team footballer. Remember Ronald Koeman raving about him when he signed him. You know, Loved so one him. Of the best young talents in Europe. Other people at the football club I've spoken to haven't been quite so impressed with him. Remember, David Unsworth didn't use him at all, you know, so when he was, uh, you know, a caretaker charge. So, you know, the the differing views. And Russia's a strange one sometimes because, you know, Umar Nias, you know, so, you know, was shone in Russia. So did Aidan Magidi, you know, neither of whom have particularly done, you know, so. You know, astonishingly well at Everton. Both so, January transfer exactly. signings, by the way. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, you've got to you know bear that in mind. Uh, although he has scored in the Champions League as well as you know, very well, uh, yeah. as well as the Russian league. So it's it's a tough one, really. I liked what I saw from Nikola Vlasic. Mm. You know, so in an attacking sense, lacked a little bit of discipline on occasions. You know, so defensively. Young player though. Oh, he's yeah. a young lad. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, so that, that that kind of thing. You know, so it can be instilled in him. So you know, I, I'll leave it to men with far better. Uh, you know, ability of spotting your footballers than myself and Marcel and Marco to make that decision. But uh, I'd, I'd quite like to see him back. And you know, so I get given a go at the, cl- at the football club. But then again, how many wingers have we got? <laughs> Indeed. Another one added to the fray, which is, you know, harks back to the original transfer strategy, which bores him. <laughs> yeah. um, Gav, does Vlasic need to stay on at Everton? Does he have a future? Does Is it only right that we take him back in the summer and he, he gets a go? Just thinking about the conversation we had on the pod earlier the week, talking about uh, using the the buying and selling the players to generate income for the club. Mm. I'm just wondering whether this is an opportunity. We bought him for what around ten million pounds. Yeah. Well, what you know, we're we're, we're, we're guessing. We, we we don't set transfer fees, but you know, a reasonable football fan guess of what you would expect Everton to be demanding for him now. Depends who the selling to is for the stars, doesn't it? Really. Um, 
you'd be expecting considered to be more than ten million pounds. Double your money? I would. Say, I would think so. Yeah. I, he just, I but just then again, he's he's, he's is that is that does that warrant? Uh, does that is that is that transfer fee of say twenty million enough to satisfy what we're trying to do with wage bills and, and profiles of footballers and, and age um, average age of the squad etc. When you think it'll be on very modest wages relatively for a footballer, yeah, is I it actually that. is it not is it not a, a far wiser move to keep hold of him? But as Pano said, he's he's he's, he's operating in a part of the pit which we've got a few few players already, and perhaps we need to improve and. and where we do need to prove to a level above what Vlasic is. So I don't want to buy and sell players here and stuff, but I'm just thinking back to Tuesday's conversation that he may be, I'm just thinking of Brands thinking here, he may be one of those people that when Brand says, oh, we need to be clever in the in the, in the market. Mm. And if he's, I mean, I don't know what Vlasic, he wants to do. But I think uh, if well, he, wants, if he, he wants to play, play that's what he said. He wants to play, yeah, to play yeah. 90 minutes every week. And well, clearly that's not going to happen. Adam Ola-Luckman's discovered that yeah. this season. And it's not going to happen at Everton next season, I think. And you think, well, actually, if he wants to play and we can double our money, then who's going to... Uh, would, he, would he not have a chance next season? You know, Walcott, with the greatest respect, is inconsistent and he's coming at the wrong end of his career, if you like. You know, turns 30 this year, I think, fairly soon. Vlasic, 21-22. Him and Luckman on the right-hand side as options. Admittedly, he wants to play every week, but so does Luckman, so... They need to show consistency, don't they? I mean, Adam Luckman's not doing that at the moment, you know, so he, he still looks like an impact substitute rather than a starter at the moment. And uh, Vlasic has to do the same. That was why he was sent away on loan, you know, so to prove that he could possibly do that. And, you know... Just to play devil's advocate, does the same thing have to be done with Adamola Luckman? You know, would he benefit from from a loan away by playing more regularly? I don't know. I mean, that won't happen in January, certainly. But, you know. yeah. I, I just I just think, and you know, team players as commodities, isn't them buying and selling them? I just think there's certain windows where it's advantageous to all parties to sell a player. And I just think with Flassage, we're, we're over the next six months, we're entering that that window. Yeah. Where it's in everybody's best interests. He sounds like he wants to go. He wants to go. Does we can enough? make a profit, assuming we can. Uh, the stock's risen dramatically. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe even the, the high highest we can get it could go back to Everton and be like he was in his first season, and his, his value diminishes, couldn't it? You know, um, I just think he's one of the players who could be traded as part of that using the transfer system to generate income for the wider football club. Mm. Um, so before we end today's podcast, we will talk about the game on Sunday. Bournemouth. Match. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Bournemouth are the visitors to Goodison, uh, 2.15 kickoff, that traditional football time kickoff. Um, Preno, Bournemouth started off the season really, really strongly, really yeah. impressively, um, but have found things tough going of late. Um, what sort of game are you expecting? It seems to be like a microcosm of, you know, Eddie Howe's, you know, managerial, you know, so run at Bournemouth, peaks and troughs, you know, so they have really good spells where they look really impressive and they have dips. I think we'll see a good football match. Uh, you know, one thing you can guarantee is that, you know, Eddie Howe sets up a team to play, you know, good quality football. It'll be, you know, so an, an expansive game. And uh, I think having had a full week to prepare for it now, uh, I think, fingers crossed, we could see, you know, the, the kind of Everton performance that we saw, um, you know, so pre-December 
uh, you know, the Brighton one, you know, it really sticks out, you know, so, uh, you know, so everything about that performance was good. I don't know if you, you saw the piece that, that we turned around this week um, based on uh, some stats that were on a, you know, a Sky Sports site uh, about how Everton's season just turned on its head from December the 2nd prior uh, to that game at Anfield or, you know, including the game at Anfield. Everton were top of the league uh, for the number of, what's the phrase now, turnovers high up the pitch. Basically, they were passing the ball out from the back magnificently. They weren't losing possession, you know, so in the final third of the pitch, better than anybody else in the Premier League. From that game, the 19th, you know, Mm. so it's literally got, you know, so have the players lost confidence? Are the midfield players not showing as much as they were? I I don't really know why. Uh, Another couple of stats, you know, from the piece about... um, Everson have got the most crosses in in the Premier League uh, this season. And, you know, they were scoring a reasonable number from them early in the season. Not anymore. Have teams worked Everton out? Or it's just like the lack of a, you know, sort of centre forward, you know, sort of finally coming to the fore. Um, so, you know, something seems to have turned, you know, sort of during that match, you know, that, that, that Anfield occasion. And obviously, December then becomes this horrendous month where there's like games every three or four days. Players suffer tiredness, suffer a bit of legginess. So I'm kind of hoping that with, you know, with the, with the full week to prepare, that, you know, so we'll see a bit more freshness back mm. in the team and we'll yeah. see a little bit more verve, a little bit more zest, if you like. They'll be allowed to play football, you know, by Bournemouth. And if they can pass the ball better than they did against Leicester, you know, you know, hopefully we'll see a positive result. It's not going to be hard, is it? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, it shouldn't yeah. say much, should it? Yeah. <laughs> same, I suppose, same question to you, Gav. What are you expecting fr- fr- from us on, on, on Sunday? Are you expecting that, that, you know, the toughest, you know, there's no doubt about it, it was the toughest schedule of any team over the festive period. Yeah. That'll be out of the system now. Interesting. Uh, same as Prano, I think it'll be good. You always get a good game against Bournemouth. You get goals. I mean, their, is that a fixture that's, you know, one of the highest scoring fixtures? Yeah. You know, Everton, Bournemouth and Bournemouth, Everton. been a bit of a... Uh, well, the 6-3, that'd be all yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Four goals in August. <laughs> it's, it's relatively few games, but lots of little flashpoints and mm. don't even mention the three all. Oh, bless us. Uh, I expect the same as Dave, really. Um, hopefully a bit of freshness. They'll play. They're not great away from home. I think they've lost the last five on the spin, haven't mm-hmm. they? On the, on the travels, lost eight of the last eleven Premier League games. So it's all set up for a good Everton performance. It's it's um, what intrigues me a little bit is what the lineup will will be. Go on then, pick I, your team. I thought you were going to say that. <laughs> um, well, bring Blas Vlasic back, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> no recall option, I'm afraid. Uh, I think I think having given Luckman some game time last week, I think it'd be good to give him game time this week. Start him, yeah. yeah. Give him an hour. I had a ball yeah. cut, yeah. Yeah, I would okay. do. I, I, I don't see the point of bringing him for a game in a cup tie last week and he scores. Fair, I'd, yeah. be, I'd be tired a little bit. Uh, only to be expected. Uh, I don't see a, I, I don't see a reason why he shouldn't start on uh, on Sunday. And that, that'll send a good message out to the player as well. Um, and striking has just referred to our previous conversations on this. I mean... None of our strikers done themselves any favours last Saturday, did they? Uh, I think the ass came out a bit better than yeah, anybody, didn't he? Yeah. He wasn't involved. I had this, this wacky conversation with you at half time about it. I both, we haven't got a striker that was worth playing, man. Don't play a striker. Yeah. You know, play, think about it. You know, could you play Sigurdsson as a, as yeah. a false nine? Or dare I say, a Firmino style. Yeah, play mm. Bernard behind him and play with a child somewhere I'd left. You know, just. just the same, the same personnel, but just rotate the position. Just, just change, change. Nothing else could confuse Bournemouth. Yeah, just change, just change it a bit. Because obviously the, the centre-forward position is not working at the moment. So actually don't play centre-forward. I mean, it happened with Kyle, didn't it, I think, where we, we, we ended up playing Kyle. And you're always saying, 
actually find a way to fit in yeah. the most talented players yeah. rather yeah. than, well, he's a striker, so he must play. Just, just have a look at it. I mean, if you're going to play it, play against Bournemouth. He'll let, let, let you play. You play yeah. And I just think we just... I hate that phrase thinking outside the box, but it literally is, isn't it, I suppose? But I'm going to use it. Is Why don't we look at playing Sigurdsson maybe as, as, a, as a false nine and, and, and Bernard behind him with two wide men? And to see how I'd like it goes. To see, I'd like to see Bernard behind the strike. Obviously, it's difficult because yeah. Sigurdsson's so good generally. And, yeah, and it, I, it, but you do wonder what Bernard could potentially yeah, do there. And I think, I think, why not try it? Because, because what's not working at the moment is playing a nominal centre forward, mm. isn't it? Just on the on the uh, flip side, um, who are you or who should we be most concerned about? Callum Wilson. I think his first has. I uh, don't know. He's been injured the last few games, hasn't right. he? Um, Clearly, you know, very, very good player. Mm. Um, you know, he's one to, to worry about. Um, they're not really a team that you have particular individuals that, you know, sort of stick out and say, yeah, you know, he's a threat, he's a threat. They just, you know, sort of play a decent, expansive style of football and can get at you from, you know, sort of all areas. Um, we saw that down on the South Coast, you know, so if our defending had been anyway up to scratch, you know, yeah. we'd have won the game relatively comfortably that day, but, you know, we didn't. So it's just a question of getting our own house in order. And, uh, getting at them you know so be uh, positive from the arc at the tempo high you know so from the start and you know the tempo was high last week against Lincoln to begin with and then as soon as you conceded a goal you know started to panic a little bit you know and it, it dipped from there that, that's the important thing you know so tempo and just get about them Go on then chaps uh, predictions Gav What was the score against Brian was it 3-1 was it At uh, home yes yeah. yeah I'll go with 3-1 Brian Oh, yeah, I'd love to see a clean sheet, but um, I'm not 100% convinced. Uh, let's go for another mad secret score at best. <laughs> 4-1. To, to Everton. To Everton. Yeah, 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 to ah, Everton. You go without saying, you're not allowed on the pod. Unless oh, right, really, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Uh, yeah, I actually think we might get a clean sheet. A refreshed Everton uh, will win 2-0 against Bournemouth side who, much like ourselves, are terrible away from home. So that's what I'm going for, 2-0. Um, thank you very much for listening, everybody. I uh, hope you've enjoyed it. Remember, you can uh, subscribe, rate and review us on iTunes and the Acast app. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.